helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Yesterday, September 17th, 2023, was the 236th anniversary of the signing of the Constitution of the United States. Did you, your family, or your neighbors honor that day? Did you even realize yesterday was Constitution Day? Have you taken time to consider what parts of your life you enjoy because of that document? the one signed in 1787 and amended 27 times since. Have you considered what your life and that of your family would be like should that document continue to fall into obscurity? If I may paraphrase William Shakespeare, it was a constitution. Take it for all in all. I shall not look upon its like again. I want to take some time today and consider not only what life would be like with a a neutered and disabled constitution, but also what we're willing to do to keep the protection of our rights alive and well in these great United States. In our national anthem, we proclaim that the United States of America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. If we let the constitution fall, though, then we will no longer be the land of the free because we, the people, have not been brave. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. Yes, we encourage, we, we assist people to read and study the Constitution, especially on a day like today or yesterday. But we also teach the rising generation to be free. We are returning this document to we, the people. And the best way to do it is to take some time to read it, to study it, to understand it, and then to use it. I know, you know, Constitution Day is not a federal holiday. People don't get a day off or a reminder of this, and many of us don't even consider it. We certainly don't celebrate it with fireworks or, or parties or cookouts, but it is a very important day to this nation. And I think we are seeing before our eyes what happens as this document is further degraded, derided, and ignored? I think a little bit of time spent today looking at this document is not only well worth our time, I think it's important to the future of liberty in this country. See, back in 1787, on September 17th, after the signing of the Constitution, Benjamin Franklin was stopped outside of Liberty Hall, and he was asked a question. What type of government have you given us? They created a constitution. They created a new government for this group of states. What type? His answer, famously, a republic, if you can keep it. See, the if in that statement is extremely important. Having a republic, one based on a, a paramount law, such as the delegates to the Constitutional Convention had proposed, is not a self-sustaining situation. It's not a perpetual governing machine. 
Just like the, the tank in your car needs to be filled and the, the battery in your smartphone needs to be charged, a republic needs to be supported and sustained. The, our republic has been threatened many times over the years by war, invasion, even corruption. Today, however, it seems the republic faces its greatest attack ever. Apathy. Now, if we're going to expose this problem, we need to break down what a republic is and why it's so important. See, most people today refer to America as a democracy, but it's not. It's a republic. Now, why is this distinction so important? See, I know we've all been taught, either explicitly or implicitly, that democracy is an inherently good thing. In fact, this has been so instilled into the American psyche that the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary even redefined the word democracy to include the definition of a republic. Quoting from their online dictionary, a, a, they define a democracy as a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation usually involving periodically held free elections. This redefinition is somewhat new. See, back during the drafting and ratification of the Constitution, the difference between a republic and a democracy were not only defined, but extremely important. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, we read that a democracy is government by the people, a form of government in which the supreme power is lodged in the hands of the people collectively, or in which the people exercise the power of legislation. Now compare that to Mr. Webster's definition of a republic, which is a commonwealth, a state in which the exercise of the sovereign power is lodged in representatives elected by the people. Do you see how the modern definition has redefined democracy to include a republic? See, in a democracy, the people exercise their power directly, while in a republic, they do so through elected representatives. Why did the Founding Fathers find this distinction so important? Well, as Alexander Hamilton said during the convention, we are now forming a republican government. Real liberty is not found in the despotisms or extremes of democracy, but in modern, I'm sorry, in moderate governments. See, real liberty is not found in democracies. Why, you ask? Because in a democracy, the passions of the people rule. Hence, Mr. Hamilton referred to the extremes of democracy. So the framers of the Constitution created not a democracy where the people rule directly, but a republic, where the people and the states choose representatives to exercise their sovereign powers. They even went so far as to ensure that each state had a republican form of government. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution says, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government. Now, in order for the republic to survive, it needed two things, a paramount law to guide it and the people to oversee their representatives. It seems today we don't often think about the ideas of a, of a paramount or a supreme law. However, having a law that supersedes the actions of our elected representatives and the governments they are a part of is essential to retaining not only the republic, but our rights and liberty. 
uh, quoting from the Supreme Court case, Marbury versus Madison, certainly all those who have framed written constitutions contemplate them as forming the fundamental and paramount law of the nation. And consequently, the theory of every such government must be that an act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is void. The Constitution is the fundamental and paramount or supreme law of the nation. It supersedes every act of government. And, by the way, law passed by the legislature, even treaties signed by the executive. It even says so. In Article 6, Clause 2, we read, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. If we are to keep the republic, there must be something above the elected representatives to which we hold them accountable. We, the people, must have a way to oversee those who are exercising sovereign power in our name. The ultimate power is established and protected by the Constitution of the United States and confirmed in the Tenth Amendment, which reads, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. As I've said, if we are to keep the republic, we need two things, a paramount law and a people to oversee their representatives. Thing is, the Constitution is just ink on parchment. It cannot rise up and save the day. It's not going to land on Capitol Hill in some superhero pose to defeat its enemies. It's not going to rush into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and cry, There's no need to fear, the Constitution is here. The Constitution is not the method of reigning in our out-of-control government. It's the tool by which we the people do so. This is why our first Chief Justice once said, Every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the Constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. By knowing their rights, they will sooner perceive when they are violated and be the better prepared to defend and assert them. The Constitution was not written to be understood only by lawyers and judges, but by 18th century farmers. It was not meant solely for the politicians, but for everyone. This is why Mr. Jay said every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the Constitution of his country. This document was never meant solely for the elite, but for we, the people. It includes the tools we need to control the government of the United States and the several states, even our cities, towns, and counties. But like any other tool, the Constitution is useless unless and until we pick it up and learn how to use it. Which is why I encourage every American to see Constitution Day as an opportunity to read and study the Constitution of our country. Whether this would be the, the first time or the thousandth, take this opportunity to learn how to defend and assert your rights. This has been the goal of the Constitution study since its inception. It's why I devote so much time every week to articles, videos, podcasts, and yes, this radio program. It's also why I wrote and published tools to help people read and study the Constitution. It's also why I created the Patriots Program. See, I believe the root of many of the problems facing the United States and the several states today come from a failure of these entities to follow the Constitution.
Why do so many government entities not follow the Constitution? Because most Americans have not read, much less studied, the Constitution of their country, meaning their assumptions about the role and function of government is skewed. Furthermore, we as a society have not prioritized teaching the rising generation to be free, in large part because of these failings, we have now multiple generations who neither understand nor cherish what Thomas Jefferson referred to as self-evident truths in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What can we do about these problems? Most people I've encountered look at the size of the problem and are overwhelmed. So I found the research of uh, uh, Harvard researcher Erica Chenoweth to be really interesting. It was covered in a BBC article, and she said, uh, looking at hundreds of campaigns over the last century, Chenoweth found that nonviolent campaigns are twice as likely to achieve their goals as violent campaigns. And although the exact dynamics will depend on many factors, she has shown it takes about 3.5% of the population actively participating in the protest to ensure political change. You notice the two things that are needed? First, those campaigns that are nonviolent are twice as likely to achieve their goal. It's very important for all those people who are so angry they wish to strike out at their, at their opponents. But second, it only takes about 3.5% of the population to actively engage in order to bring about serious political change. Think about it. We, we talk about how many people, 330 plus million people in America, how are we going to get all of them to change? We don't need all of them to change. If we can rally just 3.5% of the population to, the, to the, the concept of the Constitution, to understanding it, to using it to protect all of our rights and liberties, we can make a dramatic change. By the way, we see this in how the, 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 the homosexual, the transgender movements, a, a tiny percentage of the population are those active in it, but have made a tremendous change in our nation. We see it with the polls and the outcomes where uh, uh, policies that are uh, undesirable by the vast majority still get pushed through because there's a small group that is engaged, actively engaged in its promotion. Which again, brings me back to the Patriots program. See, I designed this program to take a few dedicated people and help make them more effective. In other words, the Patriots program is not about replacing whatever it is you are doing to protect your rights and your liberty but to give you tools to make you more effective, more confident in your positions, and to better be able to defend and assert your rights. Now, I, I have a page on the website. You can go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots and find all the details. So if you're interested or just intrigued by the idea, please check it out. Now, part of the program is a boot camp. I videoed one of my boot camps so you can watch it online rather than having to travel. And this boot camp is important because, one, it gives you tools. It gives you a, a framework to build an argument and, and support your program, but it also gives you a handful of tools from the Constitution that you can use to protect your rights today. 
Now, once you've completed the boot camp, then you'll get an invitation to join the Patriots program and, and pick one or more specialties, whether it be the scholars, the committee of correspondence, or the Minutemen. See, just as a small band of dedicated men and women won our independence, I believe a small group can preserve our independence today. So I believe from my experience and people I've met that most Americans have never actually read the Constitution of their country. And those who have seem to lack the, the confidence and understanding to use it. Part of the reason for this seems to be the fact that the Constitution is not taught in schools anymore. Sure, students may be told about the Constitution, expected to memorize when it was signed and who signed it, and even taught about the three branches of government. But are they taught what the document actually says? For example, how many of you were taught that the federal government has three co-equal branches? Yeah, there are three branches, but if you read the Constitution, you should quickly realize that most of the powers delegated to the United States are actually vested in Congress, not the other two branches. If you want details, go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, and search for, Do We Have Three Co-Equal Branches of Government? I wrote a whole article on this. If we cannot depend on our government-run schools, or even our law schools, to teach the rising generation to be free, then it's up to us. It's up to we, the people, to do it for ourselves. I hope that you found this program and the Constitution Study helpful in your efforts to live free. But I hope you'll also join us as we continue to learn how to defend and assert our rights. I hope you join us after this short break. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. 
The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. We're remembering Constitution Day, which was yesterday, the 236th anniversary of the signing of the, the Constitution. And the question is, you know, as Benjamin Franklin replied, they gave us a republic if we can keep it. And the question is, have we kept it? Have, is the Constitution gone? Is it going? And ultimately, what are we going to do about it? If you want to look at what life without a Constitution is, or when the Constitution becomes effectively meaningless, well, just look at life for the last few years. I mean, sure, it's been bad. We've had difficult times before, but we've had, um, uh, we, we, we've had, uh, I don't know, how far do you want to go back? Sure, you, let's take, let's look at COVID. Look at, look at the unconstitutional acts that were done in the name of COVID that we all went along with. Mandates, uh, especially vaccine man, fake vaccine mandates, lockdowns, shutdowns, confiscations. None of these were, are, are legal. None of these are valid under the Constitution. But we sat by and let them happen, except for a rare few. You had the churches in California that refused to shut their doors. The uh, uh, gym owners in New Jersey, that when, the, gov- when the, the, the state shut their doors, they simply broke their way in and continued to live their lives. And for some reason, hairdressers and barbers seem to be doing a lot of this standing up for their rights and freedom. Now, someone out there is going to say, but Paul, it was an emergency. But that's my point. See, there is no emergency opt-out clause in the Constitution. There's no clause that says, listen, if there's an emergency, you get to suspend the supreme law of the land during this time. doesn't exist. Now, sure, there's been legislation where a, an executive can, can uh, uh, declare an emergency to modify how certain laws work, but that does not affect, that, that does not legally affect the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. We've seen it with, again, multiple presidents that simply dictate what they want. Trump, Biden, uh, Obama, Bush, and even going back to Reagan and Carter and Nixon and Ford, we see presidents simply making up the rules as they go along. Of course, it's not just presidents. It's Congress as well. Anybody else remember uh, somebody, a reporter asking Nancy Pelosi when she was Speaker of the House where the Constitution gave her the, gave Congress the authority to pass the Affordable Care Act? Anybody remember her response? I do. She said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The very Constitution that says, listen, if this power isn't delegated to the United States, you don't have the authority to do that. And she thought that joke was beneath her? So I said, this is nothing new. But what seems to have come to the fore, at least in the last few years, is government actors have realized when they violate the Constitution, no matter how blatantly, the American people will simply roll over to get their bellies scratched. Just look at at 
uh, uh, the governor of New Mexico, Governor Grisham, she basically said the Constitution doesn't matter. The Constitution is not absolute. The Constitution cannot always tell me what to do. All I have to do is declare an emergency and the Constitution flies out the window. Is that a republic? Is it a constitutional republic? If an elected official can simply say, my oath to the Constitution doesn't really matter. I'll keep it if I like it. The word she used was, it's not absolute. But basically saying, listen, I'll keep my oath to the Constitution if I feel like it. But if I don't think it's the right thing to do, well, we'll just brush it aside. Where did she learn this? Well, she learned it from our uh, the recent examples of declaring public health emergencies to throw the Constitution out the window. Without a Constitution, we don't have a true republic. Think of it this way. What about all the issues we've been having with voting the last few years? If a republic requires that people be, that representatives be elected by the people, well, if those elections are not representing, they're not actually electing by the what the people want, but what, by what the machines want, what the manipulation wants, then we've lost the republic. When the Constitution ceases to be the supreme law of the land and simply comes a, a political tool, we've lost the republic. Whether that tool be the, uh, 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 the, the abuse of the impeachment clause, or the abuse of the 14th Amendment. It's interesting. We have another state, Minnesota, is now trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot, alleging, alleging he's ineligible because he participated in an insurrection. To my knowledge, he's not even been charged with insurrection, much less convicted. And let's look at what was done on January 6th. Was an attempt to overthrow the government. No, it was not. It was a questioning of the election, yes. It was an attempt to get uh, uh, the members of Congress to, um, to recognize the problems in these states and recognize that their certificates of uh, elections, of, of the presidential electors, were invalid because the electors were not chosen constitutionally. The Constitution says electors for president must be chosen, must be appointed in a manner determined by the legislature of the state, not the executive, not the, the judicial, the legislative. So when those branches of government, the executive and the, and the judicial, interfered with the choosing of electors, they invalidated their own electors. That's not, ladies and gentlemen, trying to overturn the, 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 the legitimate government. It's trying to make sure the government that's there is legitimate. And it certainly was not an attempt to overturn the Constitution. Lord Almighty, if it was insurrection to merely try to overturn the Constitution, there wouldn't be a politician eligible in this country. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that includes Biden and Trump and probably even Ronald Reagan. But we've become so ignorant of the Constitution. We don't read it. We don't study it. All we hear are a bunch of mouthpieces claiming that, uh, uh, you know, well, you know, he's invalid, you know, Trump is invalid because of the 14th Amendment. 
And we're so ignorant of the 14th Amendment, we don't even know what the standard is. Did he participate in an insurrection? Does anyone here know what an insurrection actually is? Well, according to Noah Webster, it's a rising against civil or political authority. The open and active opposition of a number of persons to the execution of a law in a city or state. But that isn't what was happening. That was the gathering and questioning of, did the other, was the violation of the law what was actually happening in Congress? But you see, if we the people are no longer sovereign, if our ability to petition the government for redress of grievance is limited to what that government will allow, we're not a republic. Now, I don't deny these people in Minnesota or across the country to ask for a clarification, to, to sue in a court to see, has Donald Trump committed a, an insurrection and therefore be invalid? The question is, is it an insurrection because of a, a bunch of, of uh, um, unhappy people Politicos, political operatives, have made an accusation? Is that enough? Is that all it takes to be considered an insurrection? Well, if that's the case, then the rule of law is gone. And we live not in a republic. We live in a, pick the adjective of your choice, fascist, totalitarian, despotic nation. Since we're talking about elections, how about the uh, uh, the lawsuit that Carrie Lake has uh, filed? It's, the appeal actually is going all the way up to the circuit court. Um, she claims that, uh, well, we'll say there were shenanigans in the election in Arizona in, in 2022. And she claims she has evidence. And she has petitioned the government for a readers of grievance. At the district level, she lost, so she's appealed to the circuit level. I wouldn't at all be surprised if this eventually was appealed to the Supreme Court, whether or not they would take it as a, as, as a separate question. But here we have the government, in the form of the courts, as a, a method of appeal. But if there's one thing I think the American people have lost is, we are not helpless in this. If there's one thing I hear, not so much in words, but in how people describe things, is they feel it is hopeless. They feel they have no choice. That if the, the those in government won't follow the Constitution, there's really nothing they can do. Oh, maybe they can sue. Lawsuits usually take money. They take time. And let's face it, Rice denied, rice delayed, our rights denied. But we forget that we are not helpless. Now, I'm not saying we've got a quick and easy solution. By all means, I'm not saying that. We've spent 150 years making this mess. We've spent 150 years piling manure into one giant heaping pile. The main piece being in, in Washington, D.C. You don't get rid of that. Overnight, in the election, probably in a decade. But the thing we have to remember is, it's when we give up, when we give in to our apathy, when we refuse to participate because we don't think we can win, that is when we've lost. 
It's not when a governor claims to throw out the Constitution because it, it doesn't fit her agenda. It's not when a bunch of politicians simply claim the agreement of, of an insurrection and use that to attack not just a former president, but citizens throughout this country. Think of the people from January 6th who have been uh, investigated, had their homes raided, arrested, kept in prison, in some, in some allegations in uh, truly abysmal conditions. Doesn't just, it's not just the Trumps, it's everyone else. And it's not a, a governor who continues a fight to fix what she sees as a, as a problem in a previous election. Even if she were to lose, even if Trump were to lose one of these cases, that's not when we the people lose. We the people only lose when we give in to our apathy and give up. I, I want you to remember, no matter how dark and gloomy, no matter how bad things look, we only lose when we give up. Because we don't have to fix the whole country. See, that's the beauty of the republic that was created. It is not a monolithic centralized government. It is a dispersed government. Even the federal government, think about it. The 435 members of the House are chosen by the people every two years. The 100 members of the Senate are chosen, again, this time by the people, now by the people, usually by the states, but they're chosen every six years. Every four years, we advise our states on who we think would be the best president. Again, most people don't realize that because, well, we're almost universally ignorant about the Constitution because you almost never read it. But we still have a say. And if you realize it, that all of the elections I'm talking about start in your county. You have a county, generally they call them a board of electors, although there may be different terms for it. Well, if you want to have a republic and elections are therefore so important, what are you doing to make sure that the elections that take place in your county are free, fair, and transparent? That the person, that the, the, the tallies coming out of your county accurately represent the people who voted. That only people lawfully allowed to vote can, uh, only their votes are counted. But that everybody who can lawfully vote is given the, the opportunity to vote. What are you doing to make sure that is in place? We talk about missing the forest for the trees. Yes, Washington, D.C. is a big, hot, ugly mess. But the answer isn't in Washington, D.C. The answer starts in your county. And it starts with things like, not just the board of elections, how about your sheriff? See, when the New Mexico governor announced her illegal order, the sheriff that, uh, whose county includes Albuquerque said, I won't comply. I won't enforce it. Because that puts me at risk because it's an unconstitutional order. And he took an, an oath to support the Constitution. How important is that? If you live in Albuquerque, I'd be stopping by the sheriff's office. I'd be sending him letters and notes. I'd be thanking him for fulfilling his oath to the Constitution. 
And I'd also be saying, hey, what can we do to help you? See, the solution often is not where we pick it. Because we're looking to fix Washington, D.C. What we really need to do is make sure we fix our counties. Now, I have to take another break. Uh, before I go, though, I want to remind you of this great product I've been, I've been using. I'm using it for a while. It's called Immune Super Boost from Healthy Cell. It supports my immune system while I'm on the go, and it comes in an easy-to-use travel-ready gel pack. It's one. It combines over a dozen immune supplements. So all I have to do is take these, pa these packets, throw them in my bag, and then take one every day. Now, if you want to try it, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, go to healthycell.com and use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. Put your card together. Use that code OUTLOUD. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. And speaking of America Out Loud, I hope you stop by AmericaOutloud.news every day, just like I do. Find the stories, the articles, the, the podcasts, the videos that move you, that you think are important, and share them. That's how we save the republic. Not by hiding information or hoarding information, but by exposing people to information. It's by the sharing of this information that you help secure the blessings of liberty. For all of us. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Well, the Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study today. We're remembering Constitution Day, which was yesterday, but we're also asking, are we able to keep the Republic? Now, within the constitutional structure, the framework of the Republic of the United States, 
was the idea of checks and balances on the different branches of government. First, you separate the powers, and then you allow them to check each other. One of the checks on power is a power of impeachment, the ability to remove either a, a legislative, judicial, or executive officer for reasons that are valid. Right? In other words, for the, the, a judge, their, their tenure is during their good behavior. If they're not behaving properly, if they're not fulfilling their oath, then, well, there's reason to impeach them. They can also be removed, along with all executive and legislative officers, or executive officers, based on uh, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, over the last several years, impeachment has been used as a political weapon. Right? Uh, if you do this, well, we'll file articles of impeachment. This has been going on, ladies and gentlemen, for years. Of course, and again, in the previous administration, we saw the threat actually brought forth. And we saw actually three different sets of articles of impeachment brought against uh, uh, Donald Trump. Not only did none of them actually uh, get past the trial in the Senate, but legal analysis showed they they, they were based on nothing it was a it was a political attack at least based on what i've seen i've yet i didn't see any evidence that first of all they were impeaching him for things that were not treason bribery or high crimes and misdemeanors they were simply claiming that political differences were a crime or um you know actually uh, getting elected as president was effectively a crime because they claimed he was getting um assistance from the uh from the russians when they had actually no real evidence the evidence they did have proved to be false. It proved to be fake. It proved to be a hoax. It proved to be uh, democratic uh, uh, opposition research. That's why we have a system of oppositional uh, uh, justice. But the impeachment is still there. And in my mind, it is not used nearly enough. There is more than sufficient examples of impeachable offenses. And I'm not just talking about Biden. I'm talking about Many, pretty much, I could I could probably find uh, an impeachable offense for all the justices of the Supreme Court. Probably every president in my lifetime. Um, now, is a single offense worth impeachment? That's a whole other question. My point is, there's this tool to remove bad actors. Now, interestingly enough, the power to impeach an officer rests with the representatives of the people. Remember, we're dealing with a republic. This republic, the people choose representatives, and it's their representatives that accuse a, um, an official of conduct worthy of removal from office. Because all of an impeachment can do, once you're impeached, if you're convicted, the only thing that can, that, that can legally happen is removal from office and being prevented from ever holding office of profit and trust in the United States ever again. Right? There's a limit to its to its power. Now a lot of been a lot has been made about the recent impeachment inquiry announced by House Speaker McCarthy. Now, personally, I've seen plenty that Joe Biden has done that is impeachable. He's committed crimes. He's deprived people of of rights protected by the Constitution under color of law. He took an oath to support the Constitution, yet he's depriving people of their rights. That is a criminal offense, 18 USC 242. He has done it on a mass scale. He's done it while under oath. Um, you know, voila, high crime. Uh, but 
here we have an inquiry. Now, this I find interesting for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, like anything else, right? Like any, you, you want to start out with an investigation, which is basically what this is about. It's investigating what's going on. Because while there have been a lot of allegations and there have been a lot, there's been a lot of evidence brought forth, it has so far been brought forth in a political context. All the articles on impeachment I've impeachment I've seen so far out of the, the the most recent Congress have been political impeachments, not constitutional ones. So now what we have is is the House saying we are going to have this inquiry. This inquiry means it is now a legislative act to investigate the Biden, Mr. Biden, and his administration um, because they are they are inquiring into are there grounds for articles of impeachment. This is important, right? It's important for the Republic because, remember, Congress doesn't have general... This idea that Congress has a general oversight is a bit of a misnomer. They can, they can oversee how they spend money, but this idea that, um, uh, you know, Congress, the Constitution gives Congress general oversight is not really true. The only oversight they have is, okay, are we going to spend money on this? Which is why I said, by the way, the January 6th uh, kangaroo court and the weaponization of the federal government kangaroo court were unconstitutional. Now, what we have, what do we have? We have, okay, we are going to look at the, uh, are there, are, is there evidence, sufficient evidence for articles of, of impeachment? This now opens a legislative purpose to hold hearings, uh, to subpoena information, and to determine whether or not to proceed forward. It's an important step. Do I think this is a, a process devoid of politics? Absolutely not. I know there's politics behind a lot of this. What I'm hoping is, in and amongst all the political rancor, we'll actually get evidence. And if that evidence shows that Mr. Biden committed bribery, as appears by what I've seen so far, that he committed high crimes by what appears so far, then yes, we should impeach him and remove him. It's funny. I know a lot of people say, but if you impeach him, well, you get Kamala Harris. Well, you know what? That's the problem the American people have because of their apathy. Don't tell me about the, the 2020 election being stolen. It was only stolen because the American people have ignored the election process for decades. We've allowed our counties to become, our county board of elections to become political entities, not election entities. They, they, there are too many people that in too many counties that see their role as getting a certain person elected, not actually upholding the law and upholding the republic. So that is, is as much a consequence, it is a consequence of our actions, not simply in November of 2020 but for decades. And of course, if we're talking about articles of impeachment, I mentioned that you know the ones I've seen so far uh, are politics, not constitution. And many of them come from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she's a rep representative from Georgia. And I've called her out on it. The, you know, if you're going to impeach somebody uh, in, in, in federal office, it's got to be for treason, bribery, high crimes, or misdemeanors, not well, they, they, they acted badly. They didn't protect the border. That's not an impeachable offense. Now, the reason I bring her up is she's now uh, introduced a companion bill. So we now have a bill in the House and in the Senate whose purpose is to 
prevent future federal mass mandates. So as I said, Ms. Green in the House and Senator uh, J.D. Vance in the Senate have introduced what they call the Freedom to Breathe Act, um, which, uh, well, according to the House version, is to prohibit through December 31st, 2024, the imposition of a mass mandate on passengers of air carriers or public transit and in educational settings within the United States and for other purposes. Now you know why I'm a little hesitant about this. I'm not like, oh, yay, rah, rah. The headline to most of the articles I've seen said, yeah, we're going to prohibit federal mass mandates. Well, that's partly true. First of all, the, the, the only reason that these, this legislation, these bills have been introduced is because the federal government has violated the Constitution. Mass mandates are un-mass mask mandates are unconstitutional from any government at any level. Why? Well, simple. They deprive you of your liberty without due process of law. In other words, they assume you are a danger to others without any proof. They, they tell you how to live your life without any proof. Second, they deprive you of your property. See, your body is your property. What you put on it, what you put in it is your property. And of course, by not going through a process that protects the rights of the individual, you've violated due process. So there's already an issue that this this should be, hey, you know what the Constitution says? If I were writing this legislation, it would read, this con- the Constitution says we cannot deprive people of their life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Mandates on wearing apparel or taking uh, and, or, or taking a certain medical or any medical treatment is a violation of both liberty and property. Therefore, it is unconstitutional and, and prohibited throughout the United States, period. Nice, simple bill. But what do you see? First, this bill would only be in effect through the end of 2024. What happens near the end of 2024? Oh, yes, we have a presidential election. In other words, the same people who are trying to create all sorts of mass mandates and lock and lockdowns to help uh, promote mail-in balloting, so that which is is less secure for the elections, they're politic political. This is political, ladies and gentlemen. This is not about protecting your rights. Here's the other thing: so it's only through December thirty first of twenty twenty four, January first, twenty twenty five. This bill, if it passed into law, would evaporate, be meaningless. The other they say was, you cannot mandate a, a, a mass on passengers of air carriers or public transit in an educational settings. All right, let's start with the first one. Passengers of airlines, of air carriers. We don't have a national air carrier, which means these are private companies. So now we have this unconstitutional bill which would deprive the owners of the air carriers of the liberty to operate they, the way they want and the property they have in their company. You're telling you, they're saying you cannot impose a mass mandate. You're a private company. Why not? If you can, if you can impose a mass mandate on your home in your car, and in your car, why not? can't they do it on their airplanes? Now, public transit. Okay, a federal mass mandate uh, 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 a mass mandate on public transit, you're talking about public property, public entity, 
that's different. In educational settings, this is a little interesting because, again, um, educational settings in this country, the vast majority, something like 90% of the children go to public schools. So this is a public entity. But again, at the federal level, the federal government has no authority to regulate education. So the very the idea of it being a, of an educational involvement is unconstitutional to begin with. So as we see again, we may say, hey, great, no mass man. No, basically what they're saying is no federal funding will go towards any sort of mass mandate. Um, all right, but why is the federal funding going towards uh, public transit or uh, education? Because those are not things authorized by the Constitution. So even when we look and say, hey, this is a great idea. We, want, we don't want the mass mandates. You're empowering the federal government. You're destroying the republic. By asking the federal government or empowering the federal government to do what is not legally authorized to do. And then I have one more article I want to look at. It's a little different. There have been reports. There's a whistleblower alleging that the CIA gave financial rewards to six analysts who covered up a lab leak, the the, the Wuhan lab leak. Now, again, this is a uh, an allegation from an as-yet-anonymous Whistleblower, which means we're not dealing with justice here. We're dealing with more political innuendo. Now, now this 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 uh, whistleblower claims that of the the team the CIA put CIA put together to find the uh, uh, origins of COVID nineteen, um, and according to the whistleblower, of the seven team members, seven team members, six of them said there was sufficient evidence to make a low-confidence assessment that COVID-19 originated from a lab in Wuhan, China. He then claims that um, they were offered significant monetary incentives to change their mind. Now, that, ladies and gentlemen, is bribery, which means if this is true, and again, we're dealing with a big if, right, because this is an anonymous whistleblower, and we've gotten, and so far, seen no evidence you could actually bring to court. But if this is true, what do you have? You have the, well, the very definition of a reason to impeach whoever, at, if this is true, big if, the CIA did this, whoever at the CIA did this really should be impeached because this is bribery. This is an exchange of something of value to pervert someone's decision making. That's what we have here. I wonder if anywhere along the line someone will even consider looking, investigating about articles of impeachment in such a case. Now, I know that was a lot of impeachment at the end of the program, but here's what I want to come back to. How do we save the republic? How do you learn to defend and assert your rights? John Jay said the best way is to read and study the constitution of this country and to teach the rising generation to be free. It's not hard to read the constitution. It's available online for free. There are organizations all around the country that give away free copies. I work with a 917 society. They are trying to put a constitution in the hands of every eighth grader. Studying takes a little bit more time and work. Right? Maybe you, you read the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers or the, the, rat, the state ratification debates. Hopefully, maybe you head to the Constitution study and you read some of my material or ask some questions. Be happy to answer those. Hey, maybe even buy my book. But whether you buy something from me or engage, or you simply read it and then spend time thinking about what does this mean? Look up the words. Make sure we, we're dealing with a level playing field. 
if we're going to keep the republic, ladies and gentlemen, we the people have to teach the rising generation to be free because our government schools and our law schools have failed. They're not going to do it. They've already shown that they are unwilling to teach the supreme law of the land. It's about time we the people do it for ourselves. Now, I hope you'll take some time, if you haven't already, to read the Constitution. It should only take about half an hour. I also hope you come back and join us here at the Constitution Study. We're on every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, every episode goes to podcast generally a day or two after it's heard on the radio, and you can listen on your favorite podcast app. I do ask that you subscribe to the show. Leave ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. And please share this information. If we wish to save the Republic, we must share the information needed to do so. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we share the blessings of liberty.